Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create a six-figure MFR practice. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Not only have I been practicing MFR for 11 years, I'm also a life and business coach, especially for MFR therapists. My goal is for you to understand how to get fully booked, how to talk to your clients, and how to make sure they understand what's possible for them with MFR treatment. I'm here to help you stop under earning, overworking, and burning out. I'll lend support so you can create the MFR practice you've always wanted. Learn how you can do it too, even if you live in a tiny town, and even if you're just starting out, and even if you've ran your practice for years. Let's go. Special announcement. Today's episode is brought to you by Raise Your Rate Bootcamp. That's right. Raise Your Rate Bootcamp Live is back. Join me April 3rd through the 7th at 3.30 p.m. each day, central time zone. Learn how to raise your rate and get coached throughout the entire process start to finish. Completely change what is possible for your business in five days. Reserve your spot now. There is limited space available. Plan to be there live. There will not be any replays of this free event. And mark your calendars because April group coaching enrollment is happening April 5th through the 7th. You're going to want to be ready to join. See you there. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. I am joined today by the fabulous Tanya Colucci. She owns Tanya Colucci Myofascial Release in Bluffton, South Carolina, which is near Hilton Head for anyone who is trying to figure out in relation to where, where she's located. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So Tanya is a past private coaching client of mine. She's actually my very last private client that I ever did private coaching with. So I don't know if you knew that or not. I didn't. Yeah. I went straight to group after you. (laughs) (laughs) I was transitioning to group. I think when we started working together, so I was like right in the middle of that. So I think it's fun to catch up. We haven't coached together for several months now, but your business has been doing awesome. And I think it's just fun to share these stories with the audience so other people can know it's possible for them. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to practice myofascial release? Sure. Um, Well, I was living in the DC area at the time and I have my undergraduate degree in exercise science and my master's in health promotion management. And I actually was really into corporate fitness and wellness. I ran multiple facilities doing that. I also taught workshops to personal trainers by a leading certifying body. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next with my life because I had kind of sealed out in terms of how far I was going to go career-wise in that field. And I was looking at doctorate programs because I love teaching. So I was actually applying to some doctorate programs to get my doctorate in exercise physiology or anatomy and physiology. And I woke up one day with debilitating back pain out of the clear blue sky. Oh, wow. There was no accident or no incident. It just was there. That's crazy. <laughs> um, you know, so I went through the whole route that most of our clients do getting your MRI on your spine and you have degenerative disc disease and spinal stenosis and herniated discs and your back looks like a seven year old's back. So, you know, I tried traditional routes of physical therapy and then I didn't do any injections, but you could probably say I was addicted to pain meds. I was taking Vicodin every day just to get through my day. Yeah. This went on for about eight months until I found MFR and a practitioner that I did some therapy with. And, you know, I left after the first session and I would say my pain was down 60 to 70%. 
Wow. And so that made me raise my eyebrows and realize that it probably wasn't my spine that was the issue. That was probably more in the tissues of my body. Mm -hmm. And so through my own healing journey, I decided to just take one of John's classes. I took fascial pelvis as my first one. And I realized in that seminar that this is what I wanted to do. So in order to legally touch people, I had to go back to school and get my massage therapy license. Mm-hmm. So I did that while I worked part-time actually out of Phil Tabalachi's physical therapy MFR clinic. And he had a small training studio. So I would train clients and then I would co-treat with him and his other therapists while I was learning MFR and taking seminars and going to massage school so that I could gain the hands-on practical experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that was That's amazing. How wild though. Like, so you were thinking you're going to go to school, get your doctorate and start teaching. Mm -hmm. And then like, could you ever have imagined in your wildest dreams that you wouldn't have done that and you would be doing what you're doing now? Well, I was actually, while I love teaching, I was dreading the whole doctorate process and writing research papers because it's miserable to me. But, you know, I was trying to think long-term, like how to set myself up for a career and not... How, you know, what does success look like? Success, money, you know, supporting yeah. my family, that type of thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, little did I know there was another plan, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Also, how cool to get to work with Phil. Like I've never actually met Phil in person, but I feel like I know him just from MFR stories and like I yeah. read his book and, you know, he seems like a famous person to me. So like how cool to get that much training like with him while you're learning the ropes of MFR like how what a great experience I'm sure Mm -hmm. yeah and then all there was four other therapists there at the time and you know one thing was that he really you know he kind of pushed me to like to do it and go off I remember when I first started seeing my first clients I would always ask him like well would you have done this would you have done that and (laughs) no he just said well you know he would just kind of give me one or two word answers I'm like what yeah, like <laughs> tell me everything. Yeah. Tell me everything. So it was good because it really left room for me to kind of explore and not feel like I would do the wrong thing or not do the right thing, that type of thing. So yeah, it was a great environment at the beginning to be in for sure. That's so cool. Well, and I think most MFR therapists go through that phase where we're like, are we doing this right? Is this right? Like because there's so much freedom in it, I do love this part about like John Barnes training in particularly that there's no certification, right? It's like, if you come to the classes and you go through the class and you start doing this, you can do it. You don't have to test out. And it's not because, I don't know, like what are they even testing, right? Everybody's going to be doing it a little bit differently. They're going to have their own flavor to it, right? So as long as we're following kind of the principles, we're all doing John Barnes's work, which I think is so genius on his behalf that he was willing to not have this rigorous certification and not have all these testing protocols that we have to go through because it would then in a sense make MFR a protocol type treatment. And it's not, we're all doing it. You and I would probably totally, maybe we treat lots of things the same, but we treat them differently. And I think it's hard for people with perfectionist brains, which a lot of us therapists have to go in and not have those boundaries, not have the protocols, not have the rules and sit in the discomfort of like, am I doing this right? Am I helping people? Where's the magic? Why is this so magical? All that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think in the beginning, coming from the anatomy and physiology background, I was always trying to figure things out, quote unquote. And then when I would just let go and just move into my hands and just feeling and not having a plan and definitely applying the principles, people would walk out and, you know, the next day be like, oh, that was so amazing. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, you know, like, Like, oh, shoot, (laughs) did I just scan them? Yeah. 
But it's like, it's interesting because when you can soften into those and let that go and just allow yourself to just feel through your hands, magical things happen that are unexplainable, you know, the fascial system. So yeah, so good. It is amazing too, like that ability to let go and let it be okay that we aren't sometimes doing a lot, like less is more. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you do one thing the entire time and being okay with that, that that's where the magic happens. Okay. So my first experience was fascial pelvis. It was in Sedona right before MFR3 was being held. So the people that were at fascial pelvis were wild and it was at the lodge. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, that was my first experience. And I was like, what actually is happening right now? But then I went to the clinic and I got, I was able to get a bunch of treatments with Rob. So Rob was like the first real therapist or session that I had. And so just to have those magical hands and the experience and like, they just hold it and hold it and hold it and hold it and hold it. Like I had no idea how much my C-section pain was causing my back pain. Right. You know, no one had ever treated it before. So it was just mind blowing. Okay. Tangent. <laughs> <laughs> All of this is important information. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about your experience with your business. What was going on in your business? before you decided to come for coaching? Was anything really going wrong? What was happening in your brain that brought you? You So I've been in this area for about 10 years. And after the initial six month of building my business, honestly, through word of mouth and everything, I've always had a, I guess you could say a busy practice. And Mm -hmm. I go through periods of time where I have a waiting list for three to six weeks to two weeks, you know, so it's always, always there. And I guess with my family, I have a 10 year old son and I really was wanting to expand into doing some other things like writing and group experiences and launching another business. So I wanted to free up some of my time and I knew that I needed to do a big rate increase. And so I really needed more of the moral support of jumping off the cliff. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was, I did a really big jump. So it was, uh, do you remember what you started out at and what you ended up going to? For your rate. Yeah. So I was at one, you know, when I first moved here, and then I would increase a five or ten dollars every year here and there. And I when I Mm -hmm. hired you you, I was at 144 a session for an hour. Mm -hmm. And when I did the numbers and how much time I wanted to work, my rate really was should have been between 220 and 250. Yeah. So you know, I jumped up to 220 in a session. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about what that experience was like because I think some people listening to that would uh, they're like they're wrecking their car right now. They're pulling, <laughs> they're breathing into a paper bag. Like, how did you do that? What is happening? So, what was the process like? I mean, I think that that was genius to come specifically for that support because I'm your girl. Like, I'll help you raise your rate any day of the week. We will deliver it like it's right. the new. But may, can you kind of remember back, like, what besides determining your price based on facts, like, what was the actual drama that was keeping you from raising that on your own? And how long did it take you to actually do it? I would say the biggest two things were fear that I would lose a lot of my clients. Mm -hmm. And then the judgment of other people, like, who do you think you are charging that much to do that type of service? I think those were the, I innately believe that it's worth what I'm charging, but just that awareness of the chitter chatter, you know, of what, what are clients going to say, you know, what are others going to say? And so those were the two barriers for me. I just couldn't get over that hurdle on my own. It's painful and frightening. I think when we make big changes like this, even no matter how like confident and secure we are and like how 
much we trust in our skill set. I think when we step out and we're like, look, this is how much money I want to make, because a lot of this is determined on how much money you want to make, not how much right. money you even need to make, right? Right. And being okay with that is mm-hmm. a big skill to learn. People don't just like nurture us and grow us up being like, you can have whatever you want and you can make as much money as you want. And it's safe for you to do that. And it's okay for you to ask for more. Pretty much everybody's like, just have enough and get by and don't complain. Don't be too big or too loud. So how many clients did you lose? Do you think when you raised your rate to 220 from 144? Mm, I mean, probably a handful, you know, we're talking five, six, maybe. And quite honestly, those were probably people that I was completely fine with leaving yeah, because they weren't progressing with their session, their healing. They weren't willing to go deeper. They weren't, you know, willing to do the work in between. So mm-hmm. I was okay with that, even though they were longstanding clients for a long time. But again, yeah. yeah, I think that this is really good information because this is what always happens with everybody I've coached through raising their rate. It's like we create so much drama in our brains around those clients that have been with us, maybe they've been with us since the beginning, or they've like really supported us, or they always come every week and they're really showing up weekly, or they're going through the motions of showing up, but maybe they're kind of at a standstill in their progress, or they're not really that into it anymore. And they just are kind of coming out of habit. Right. And we will hold on to those clients like for dear life, as if we will not survive without them kind of losing track of all of the other clients that we may or may not attract into our business that will pay the higher rate that will not even ever know that the rate was one for They won't ever know that. So, okay. So you lost like a handful of clients. They were the clients that you're not like laying awake at night. Like what is Jessica up to or Beldred? What are they doing? I mean, I just, every once in a while I check in with them just to let them, you know, hi, how are you doing? But if they've found they're getting work that's helping them, I'm happy for them, you know, so it's okay, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it sets people free to go and find something else that they need. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So raise your rate to 220. What has that been like? What has that allowed you to do in your business? Well, when we also work together, you really pushed me on carving out time for my other business, which was really challenging for me because I I always made myself available a lot for people. Mm-hmm. And so I would say secondary to the rate increase was me really holding strong to the hours that I preset. Yeah, that was I remember that being a big thing. Yeah. So I've done a fairly good job with that. Okay. Because <laughs> well, you you have this idea about hard work, right? Like you work hard. Right. And you aren't afraid to hustle. Right. Right. Yeah. So we, I, like we talk- extra, I mean, to be honest, I like to have the freedom and flexibility. If I want to work an extra five hours yeah. this week, Hey, cause I want to go make, you know, I want yeah. to, but I think we talked about that too. Like the difference between like being able to do that and consciously choosing it, like, Hey, I need to, I want to make an extra $5,000. So I'm going to do this, this, and this to create that right. outcome. And right. the habit of doing that all of the time to, because you're feeling scarce or feeling right. you right. know, like, Oh, just in case, just in case, waiting for the other right. to drop, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, when I look at the numbers, I mean, it's, wow, did I, I really did that. So that's exciting. So it's pushing me to set even loftier goals for 2024. When, um, so, yeah. Okay. So how many hours were you working a week at the 144? I mean, you were working a lot of hours, like seeing patients yeah. was not a problem. No, I mean, I would, I would say most weeks I was seeing between 27 to 30 people a week. 
Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. So now I'm down to, I see on average 20 to 25. Okay. I love just it. Depending on the week, just depending on the week, but I try to stay in that range. I try okay. not, I definitely don't go, I try not to go over that. So just for my own energy levels. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause you want to, you said like it was really important for you to be able to show up for your son and mm-hmm. to be able to work on this other passion project, you know, to make that beyond a passion project and to make it into a business. Right. Right. Yeah. So having this extra five or 10 hours a week, how is that having that extra time? Was it a little bit weird at first? Like, did it feel dangerous to have that extra time? Not really. After I got over the notion of I always have to be working in order to have a certain dollar amount in my bank account. For me, it was a matter of also having time for self-care and going to the gym and working out in the mornings and having more leisure, starting my day a little slower some mornings and not starting at eight or nine o'clock right away, you know? So it definitely has been helpful and it's freed up some time administratively for me to work on my other business, to take classes, to build the other brand which now I'm blocked off a whole day of the week now moving forward in March. So I won't be working Wednesdays anymore. So now I'll only be working four days of the week okay. because my other, past, my other other business sort of taking off really quickly. So I'm That's looking. Cool. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the other business because people want to know. <laughs> like, what do you do? So, you know, when I work with people doing MFR, you know, I'm also a shaman. I do energy healing and sound healing as well. But I've really found with doing MFR that most people's pain is rooted in things that need healed on a deeper level. And a lot of people aren't really conscious of how integrated their mind, body, and spirit is. So I do a lot of coaching with them already and dialoguing when I'm working on them and you know during the sessions. But I really wanted to help bring this awareness to more people on a larger scale. So I did some training with the Enneagram. With the, so there's an international organization that has a pretty intensive test that you take. And so I'm bringing this to other leaders in other areas of business that have small businesses, large businesses that find themselves in leadership roles and empowering them with the knowledge about themselves, their psycho-spiritual tool and how they show up in the world, but how they can live a more integrated conscious life through coaching with me. And then pulling in all these mindfulness tools, breath techniques, and all these other things that help them become more integrated Mm -hmm. so that they're showing up in a more powerful way. That's so cool. So do you get a lot of crossover from your current MFR clients into this new business? Yeah. So one of my clients works in sort of a government realm here. So Mm -hmm. I'm coming in to work with seven of her leaders and it was through her own, yeah, her own personal experience with me, right? Integrating all these tools. She came to me for MFR, but we've been doing all these things. And so I'm going to be working with this whole group of seven leaders that lead multiple teams in a government agency here. So it's going to be super impactful to everybody, right? Yeah. Imagine and, the impact, like kind of the trickle down on the world, actually, you know, like yeah, it's super impactful. Yeah. yeah. So that I wasn't really expecting things to get started so quickly. So that's sort of taking off. And I have another client that I'm working with uh, that it's going to kind of turn into something bigger too. So I'm super excited. So a lot of them are my clients that know me, trust me, you know, and they want me to come and help them in other ways. This is great. Okay. I thought you were going to tell me that you were working with your wife and you guys were doing like retreats and you guys were doing, because we kind of talked about that before, like this retreat idea. So this is totally different and way cool. But are you also doing that too? So that's a part of it's either, you know, one-on-one coaching group experiences, like 
for lux- like luxury retreats. So people okay. want to, yeah. So that will be a part of it. But right now I'm focusing more on the individual coaching, the small mm-hmm. group coaching of leaders and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great way to start. Like I did one-on-one, then I branched a group, right? And then yeah. eventually I'll probably have in-person things, but it's so great to kind of hone your skill on that one-on-one level and then like just keep going. Yes. So Which cool. Is- I'm super excited for you. I don't even know what to say. I'm so impressed. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm excited because once I made that decision to break away from being in my office so much, yeah. it opened up room for me to really feel into what else I wanted to be doing. Yeah. So do you feel weird not doing MFR all of those days? Or does this feel more like just a natural progression of using more and more of your talents to help more people? It feels like a natural progression because I I felt like I wasn't... While I love MFR and I think I'll always practice MFR, I felt a little stagnant in terms of my mental intellect and you know expanding myself in other ways. So I'm really looking forward to how I can bring the same concepts and tools to people in a more palatable way where if they're not ready to go into, you know, a deeper healing experience with MFR or other things, just kind of gradually introduce them to things through these other tools. I think that's so good and so healthy though, that you could see that you were having some stagnation, right? Like there's no shame. And I think for anyone listening to this, like if you're feeling bored in your practice, investigate that, figure out why so that you don't burn out, right? Like this is mm-hmm. such a huge way for you to continue to be an awesome MFR therapist who's hands-on still and expand into something that like you really love and you really feel passionate about. And it help, it probably helps you show up as a better MFR therapist when you are doing that and helps right. you show up as a better coach when you're coaching. So I think it's really important that we examine that because you don't have to burn out in your practice and you don't have to also like completely close it down. If you decide to do something else, you know, there's so much middle ground and so much room for you to do really whatever the hell you want to do. You just have to decide and give yourself permission that you can do it and that you're willing to go through the uncomfortable steps to make it happen. Like for you, it was the first realization that you wanted to work less. You still work a lot, but, and you wanted to make more money. Mm -hmm. And being willing to take the steps to do that. Because lots of people have the idea like, oh, well, I can just raise my rate and make more money, but actually following through with it. Right. right. The hard part. Yeah. Okay. This is really, really good. I think the other part about it is being in the feeling empowered in the position that I can really hone in on my ideal client that I do want to work with when I do MFR. So knowing that I only have a limited amount of spaces each week, I don't feel as bad if that connection isn't there in the beginning and I have no problem referring them out to other people that do other types of body work or wellness modalities, because I know it's not a good fit and it's just going to drain me energetically. So it allows me that freedom to not have to worry about getting them back on my schedule, which I like. Yeah. I think that's really awesome. And I think for people that are just starting out hearing you say words like that, they're probably like, what? You mean you can pick and choose who your clients are? And Mm -hmm. the short answer is totally yes. And the sooner you really figure out who your ideal client is and who you want to serve, who you want to help, like what are the kinds of issues they have? And you get really clear on that. You're able to weed people out much faster and not yes. have to deal with so much bullshit where in the beginning you feel, maybe people feel like, oh, I have to just take whatever I can get. And I've got to mm-hmm. like work my schedule around all these, you know, it's just, we don't have to do that ever. And the sooner right. you can figure that out in your practice, the better. And I think the more mm-hmm. longevity you'll have too. So yes, yes. I would say that creating those boundaries of your time and who you want to work with 
and not giving in because once you give in once then you're like oh I can give in again and mm-hmm. it's you yeah know. yeah and it's like at what cost right it's like to save that sensation of feeling guilty or whatever it is or people pleasy you yeah. know it's like but you trade that then for like resentment and the all the time lost and the not doing what you want to do burning out exactly. Oh. exactly I was feeling the burnout I was like I do not want to get burnt out on this I love this so I was like, what's really going on here? And I had to like take a step back. So, mm-hmm. and you had been a therapist for what, over 10 years at that point when we started? Yeah. So I think we went on about like 13 years of doing okay. it far. Okay. So you've um, been, you've been around the block, like you've been in it. You've been a business owner for a long time. And mm-hmm. I would say your concept of yourself prior to us working together, even was that you were very successful. Like you made a lot of money. You were making over mm-hmm. six figures when we started working together, right? You were yeah, making multiple many- six figures. Yeah. I was making like in the one fifties, one sixties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think that this is, I'm appreciate that you're willing to share those numbers because I don't know that people realize how much is possible for them. Right. And also, can you share now what you make working less hours? So that was working 30 hours a week. Right now. What do you make working 20 to 25? So wrapping up. So I went through my rate increase with you sort of midway through 2021. Mm Mm-hmm. And so last year in 2022, I came in just over 200,000. So I was at 209, which my goal was to hit 200K by the end of last year. So I did it. I was like, Whoa. yeah, that's so, so congratulations. Did you guys hear yeah. that? 209 with three yeah. more zeros after that. <laughs> and so this year, if I continue at the pace at which I'm going, which is slightly less, I'm on pace to be even more than that. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I would really, I have a goal and a half a million dollars in 2024. So splitting my time between MFR and my other business. So that I think one thing working with you really gave me the confidence, I guess, and the reassurance that there really is no limits Yeah, and you just have to be willing to, you know, just go after it really. Yeah. Willing to be uncomfortable while you don't know, because we don't know how you're going to get there. Right. I mean, we can map it out. We yeah. can math it out and know like the math equation, but like, what are you going to need to think about yourself? What are you going to need to believe when you don't sell how you think you're going, you know, all of these things, who is Tanya that has that 500 K year and how do we become her now? You know, so I, I find myself doing similar things to my coaching rates, right? Cause I have in my mind what I want my rate to be, but I'm trying to feel like, well, maybe I should offer them a level. What's affordable. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, no, 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 no. Because yep. there's a lot of extra work that goes into the coaching behind the scenes other than that one hour and I'm with somebody. So yeah, so I get, I definitely, I work through that model in my head and then, you know, it helps me to get rid of those limiting yeah. beliefs. Good. I love hearing that the model is working for you and that you can go back to it anytime, right? It's a good tool right. to have. And, and always remember like people are paying for a result. They are not paying for time on the table or coaching hours with you. Right. They'll try to tell you that that's what they're paying for. And they'll like try to, people do this in their head all the time. Like, oh, is it really, is the hour really worth that? And it's like, no, you're paying for the long-term result, right? When we worked together, I think it was $3,000 for coaching sessions, right? And how much money do you think you made? Like, what was your return on investment? Yeah, so I was thinking about that. So I guess it would be like over $40,000 because that's how much, at least that. Extra that you made that year? Yeah. I love that. That's so good. Where can you, where else can you go and spend like $3,000 in a couple of weeks and make $40,000? Right. I raised my rates though. Oh, <laughs> you're totally worth it. And so right. am I. That's so, right. That's right. The results are worth it. Come on. Yes. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. So Sometimes funny. we just know, you know, we just need that extra support. And I remember I said, we had the email composed to send out to all my clients about my rate increase. And I was like sending you boxers. Oh my God. Like, should I send it? Or maybe I should wait till like this, you know, you're like, just, just fucking send it. Just send it. <laughs> I'm like, just send it. And then I'll coach you. I'll coach you every five minutes while you wait for replies or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then by the next time I saw you, you're like so cool about everything you went through. Like you would be like, okay. But once you really decided there was really no turning back for you, which, which was really fun to watch. It was like, you could see the hesitation, but then like the decision was made and then executed. Right. Yeah. Jumping out of a plane, but you're like, Oh, my parachute. I got two. It'll be fine. (laughs) It'll be fine. I got lots of options. Yeah. And I will say, I mean, I definitely feel I'm really glad of the work you're doing because I feel that therapists in general, not just with MFR, but definitely undercharged for their services, the amount of time and energy they put into learning. Mm-hmm. And so I really hope that it starts to trickle down to other other yeah. disciplines. Yeah, me too. I appreciate you saying that because it is hard to see therapists, I think healers in general, believing and like subscribing to the old patriarchal like ideas that if you're a healer, if you do this thing, it should be free or it should be accessible to everything. And like, we can get into like all kinds of battles and whatever on that topic. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is we deserve to make just as much money as anybody else. And we, we deserve not to under earn. We're doing a huge thing. And it also is very expensive to learn and to continue to train how we train if we want to be at the level we want to be at. Like I'm never going to stop taking MFR seminars, even if I'm not doing hands-on right now, I will never stop. Like I want to always learn. And I always want to learn more, like just in the coaching realm too. Like I'm not going to just stop. Oh, I learned enough. I guess I'm great enough. How I am. I'm never going to learn anything else. Gross. Yes. Yes. I barely know anything right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's so much more that can be learned. So. Yeah. What do you think was the most surprising thing you learned during coaching when we were working together? Was there anything that caught you off guard or you were like, oh, that's interesting. I figured this out during this time. You know, I guess for me, and I feel like I'm always self-reflecting and overanalyzing myself and uh, things that I need to work on. For me, I think the biggest challenge was while I believe and say, I believe that I am capable of like achieving whatever I want. And I've always been able to do that in my life. There's still that little lingering self-doubt that's there. So that was something that, you know, it kind of shined a light on that a little bit more. So that's something that I'm always, you know, working through, working on, even though to the outer world and everybody around me, like I'm very successful and I've never had a problem with those things. Too, like learning that like uncovering that self-doubt and then not being ashamed of it, right? Like just being like, oh, I'm a human. And -hmm. while I project to the world this thing, we all have that, right? Like everybody's life looks perfect on Instagram. (laughs) Their house is on fire, right? Yeah. People always say that to me too. They're like, oh, other you have your stuff together. I'm like, no, I'm just like everybody else. I get get coached. I have multiple coaches at any one time because I can't see certain things in my brain, as well as someone else like looking in on it on purpose. So I think really knowing that you have that section in in your brain where you're like, ah, self-doubt, it can seem really, really minor, but it can be the difference between doing something in a year or making it take your entire life before you do it. If you aren't willing to uncover that or like go towards it. 
Right. Because it's really uncomfortable when we like see something in ourselves that we like don't necessarily like, or we don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. It's like not a problem. Right. When, you know, when you know it and you have the awareness around it and you're willing, like you're very coachable too, by the way, which is very helpful. Just knowing that it's there, then you can really do anything. You can conquer the world. Like 500K, not going to be a problem for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and for me, it's too, it's balancing that with also you know, that notion, it's my personality type. I'm an eight, which is the over, you know, your typical, how you would view like the overachiever, you know, mm-hmm. always going after things, taking action, being very swift. Yeah. But I also want to be mindful that I'm not overdoing that and yeah, getting bulldozing to- by something like by yeah. something yeah. Yeah. yeah, and not continually chasing, 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 like, well, what could I have done better? How can I even do it better than, you know, the last time? Yeah. So I'm, my son's a really good reflection of that. And when I reflect back to him, his sporting things that he does and how he's just like, that was awesome. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm always like, you did great. But I'm like, well, what do you think you can work on for the next time? But sometimes like feeling like you did your best is enough and it doesn't have to be more. So balancing out that. Yeah, that's that's so good. Super important. (laughs) Yeah. Because when was the last time you did something and you were like, that was awesome. And you like just sat in it for a minute right? and just allowed it to be awesome. Right. When I did these numbers for this podcast, I didn't even realize, I think I had sent you a message like in November or something like, I'm almost there. I think I'm going to be just under my goal of 200K. And I was like, okay, you know, but I didn't even go back and check. And I'm like, isn't that wild? Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't even really celebrate the fact that that's what I did. So I'm like, I really need to stop. And so I was doing the numbers. I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome and crazy at the same time. You know, what a big change. So just trying to take that in a little bit, but it gave me that little extra oomph of like, you know, whatever next goal I set is totally doable. You know, I just have to focus on it. Yeah. Well, and it's like just setting it in the first place, Mm -hmm. just having the goal and like really knowing what your goal is. Cause people, anyone can set a goal. And I think at the beginning of the year, we're all like, yay, set goals, blah, blah, blah. And then never look at it again. (laughs) You know, like, I think it's really funny when I'm working with the MFR therapist in my group coaching all the time, I'll be like, okay, so how many, how many patients is fully booked for you? Like 15 to 20 or 12 or 17, like there's no definitive answer. And so it's really hard to get fully booked when you're not sure what it is, right? Right. Because then they'll hit it and then they'll move it. Well, it's actually 17. So like, I can't feel good about 15. It's like, oh no, we gotta, we gotta figure that out. But that's what I love about coaching is because I can correct those things with people in the beginning while we're doing this or wherever they're at in their business. doesn't really matter, but you can find out like, oh, the problem is, is like, you just don't have a very clear goal. (laughs) Right. Right. And then we can build from there. And it's super, it's a lot easier than not allowing yourself to set a goal or not allowing yourself to have a big goal. Like this goal of 500K by the way, is also one of my goals, one of my next goals. So we'll be doing it together. It'll be awesome. I'll have to check in with you. It's like having that and thinking like, well, who the hell am I to believe that I can do this? Right. And then also being like, oh, I know who the hell I am. And I know that I can do this. I'm not sure how we do it, but I know I get there, whether it takes me 12 months or 18 months, like none of that actually matters. It's just like getting there. And also another fun trick I have, and I don't know if you've ever done this, But if you just take your cumulative money that you've made, you've probably made well over a million dollars at this point after 13 years in business. Like I would look at that number. Like if there's a way, like if you have tracking in your Square, your Stripe account or whatever you've used over the years, maybe it's PayPal, 
look at your overall total for like the lifetime of your business and see how much what that number is. It might be super shocking. Yeah, I have to do that. Yeah. Because I keep doing that for like the start of coaching and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really close to what this big goal is to make in a year, you know, after two or three years. So of course I'm going to learn how to do it faster and faster and faster. Right. It's really, it's really fun. (laughs) For anyone else listening, like when you find yourself nearing a goal, because I had a lot of students come in this at the end of the year now, because we just got done in December, another year. Now we're into 2023. We're in February now, but they didn't quite hit hundred K in the year of 2022, but like shortly into the first couple of weeks of January, they hit it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that counts. Right. <laughs> We're not going to not count it because it was two weeks later or even a month or two later. Right. It's like, well, you did it in 14 months. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's good. most people never get there in a year to earn hundred K is like really something that not a lot of people do. Really? Especially, yeah, especially females. Hmm. And you've doubled that. Yeah. And you're a massage therapist. I just want to point out too, like your background, you're practicing under a massage therapy license. Like I think that that's, yes. this yeah. isn't just for PTs, OTs, doctorate, you know, mm-hmm. like you can do this with a massage therapy degree. Yes. So it's very cool. It's a very grown up. I love it. Very grown up. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to share about your experience, about what you're experiencing now? Um, I would say, you know, one thing that I did was, you know, I had a really hard time with, there was a few of my clients that I knew really didn't have the financial means to pay that rate. And I did leave them on my lower rate, but I probably added a few people to that list that shouldn't have been added to that list just for Mm. multiple reasons. And so it wasn't a lot. It was like, it's two people, two or three people, you know, Yeah. but it, it, it is starting to leave a little bit of a like a little bit of a tinge or a regret. So I think my advice to people would be when you are making a big rate jump, just don't automatically add a bunch of people to that list. I think that... Don't assume. Yes, don't assume that they won't be able to be resourceful. Resourceful, Mm -hmm. is that what you're saying? Yeah, Um, that is what I said. I love it. (laughs) I love it because I think about that. I'm like, they're totally capable of being resourceful. And if this is important to them, they will find the funds to commit to feeling better. Yeah. but. I wish I would have just maybe had one or two spots available and made it more of an application process. So people had to really go after it if to have that reduced rate. It's never too late too. You can totally yeah. implement that anytime. Yeah. So I'm thinking I'm going to get ready to do that next. Okay. Well, I think that's exciting. And I also think yeah. it gives an opportunity for other people that may be in that boat where they can't, they just literally don't have the funds for it to apply for that. The extra right. step that takes and the mm-hmm. commitment to that. Right. Is kind of special that they're like willing to go that extra layer versus like just grandfather me and you know I can't afford it. Wink wink, you know? Like Yeah, exactly. So there's that. And then I think with you had recommended one package and putting a time limit on it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just had two people that I turned down buying the package because they couldn't use it because of all their travel and this and that. And I'm like, well, you don't qualify. Yeah, it's really meant to be used. And so sometimes it's really hard for me to have those conversations with people. But, you know, again, if I'm flexible for one person, then... Yeah. Is it harder to have the conversation with them? Or is it harder to have the conversation with yourself when you're full of resentment and you have to come up with another plan to then still have the awkward conversation with them, right? You know, I had a new client that had asked me about my package and she was totally aware of the the time frame, And she's like, I can't, 
I'm not gonna be able to do it. You know, mm-hmm. would you make an exception? I'm like, well, I'm not really making exceptions for other people. So my answer would be no, mm-hmm. but I felt really uncomfortable inside saying that to yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. It's really not even that much money that they're saving. I mean, it is, but it isn't in terms mm-hmm. of. So what ended up happening? She's like, okay, like you could tell she was a little irritated, but she was totally fine. And she still has a bunch of more sessions booked. So it's not even like a thing. So yeah. it was more my discomfort and not being flexible and making sure I create that boundary with for myself, yeah. most importantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, and you're yeah. human, right? Like I've had people ask me like, oh, I didn't get to be in the course as much as I wanted to for X, Y, Z reasons, whatever. And it's like, I have to say no. You know, I want to be like, of course you can just right. have it as long as you want. But like, I have no way to manage that. And if I do that for one person, I've got to do it for everybody. And it's right. just becomes a logistical nightmare. And yeah, you feel bad. You're like, Oh, I wish you would have taken advantage of it when you had the time, you know, but like, hopefully you got everything you needed and you know, right. and just do the best we can. Cause we can't make exceptions. When you start making exceptions, it's a lot to remember. And when you want to have a really big business mm-hmm. and a big life, you don't want to be managing all of the little promises that you made and right. all the little boundaries that you allowed to be crossed. Right. Like mm-hmm. it just, becomes exactly yeah and it's not about being mean or being like an asshole it's just about I think it's when clients ask like people will ask for the weirdest things right they will ask for special exceptions because they are used to people people pleasing and saying no or saying yes so when they hear no they're not actually mad about it they're just shocked because people don't usually say no yeah that's what I think it is yeah yeah people that yeah are asking for the exceptions or yeah yeah, they're used to being just getting it. So good for you. I think that that's awesome. And I think it's normal to feel that in your body and just like allow it to be there and be like, yeah, it doesn't feel good to say no to people, but it also doesn't feel good to say no to myself. There's right. I had these rules. Like you took the time to come up with the rules. You might as well honor them. Yes. Yeah. Good job. I'm proud of you. This is amazing. <laughs> this is so good. Okay. So how are you going to celebrate your year making $209,000 on your way to 500K? Like, how are you going to celebrate that? Like, are you going to do something else besides just acknowledge it because I made you pull your numbers or (laughs) what are we doing? Oh man, it's terrible. Cause all I keep thinking about are the three upcoming projects I have to work on. I don't have time to (laughs) stop and celebrate. I'm like, I gotta go, gotta go. Hmm. I mean, it can be simple. Like you could just yeah. like, write it on a piece of paper or put it on your desk or like maybe you're at dinner tonight with mm-hmm. your family and you're like, hey, did you guys know how much money I made? This is amazing. <laughs> yes. I think for me too, I think I need to verbalize it more to others. I don't even think that I told my wife that I hit that goal even. Yeah, she wants know. to know. She wants <laughs> to know. <laughs> I just kind of like keep it in. And it's almost like, I mean, I'm proud of it, but I'm also like, I don't like, you know. I'm not one to, I don't know. I should probably talk about it more. Yeah. Like let's normalize it. I made everybody in my last group on the last day introduce themselves as someone with a six figure business, whether they had one or not. And it was the looks on their faces when they knew that's what we were doing. Yeah. I think all of them wanted to die and we we all did it. So there's 25 of us on the call and like we all had to do it. And then by the end, you could start to see everybody like cheering for everybody and like they started to like embody that, right? And it's like now right. that's just what they are. Mm-hmm. But it's it is hard to say it out loud. And I think culturally we don't talk about money 
But if we stop following that practice and we start saying it out loud and more people know what's possible, like we're all just going to make more money and it's going to be safer right. to do it. Right. This is true. Yeah. Because what does that allow you to do? Is your life bigger now for having made that money? Yes. I was able to build an addition on for my mom who moved in with us, my 85 year old aging mother. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that just happened in the last three or four months. That's huge. Um, yeah. Let's just sit in that for a second. Okay. So you're, <laughs> you built an addition, like you're just so casual. Like I just casually built an addition and moved my mom in. Yeah. How How is that? Is that pretty, like, how badass is that? Like your mom needed you. You're just able to fully mm-hmm. support her. Well, she, you know, she helped out a teeny bit, but majority was me. And I'm not really, you know, asking, she's not, doesn't really, we're taking care of things. Which is so, so cool. Yeah. So there's that. I mean, I like the feeling of being able to have that flexibility to, if something comes up like that, being able to do it without having to worry about it. Because you want to. Want, yeah. Because I want to. And if I want to go away this weekend, because I don't work weekends anymore. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, if I want to go away for the weekend, I can just go grab my camper that's in storage and like go to a campground or, or if I feel like I want to go somewhere, I can and to have that a little bit of that financial freedom mm-hmm. is really nice. So, yeah, that's really that's good. good. That feels good. That's what I really crave is the freedom that comes with it. If I get this urge that I want to do something, I want to be able to feel like I can do it without having anything that's limiting me. Yeah, I love that. For the first time this year, we had to hire a lawyer and it was like, Hmm. first of all, I just would have never thought to do that because I couldn't have afforded it. And it was like so empowering to be like, yeah, we can just do this. We want this thing handled. I don't have the time to do it. I'm going to hire someone to do it. And then you just like hand over the money and it like feels so good to be able to like, it was like so empowering to be able to be like, yeah. Like, oh, I can't afford to do these things. Whereas before yes. it was like, oh no, we just better never get into any kind of trouble or you know, <laughs> or not need that kind of help, right? No. But yeah, so you got your mother. I got a lawyer. It's all- <laughs> <laughs> but I also think, you know, just trusting in or just trusting in things, you know, I've had gifts. I've had my lawyer pro bono her time for me, you know, after I spent a certain amount of my retirement and so that was a gift because I had no idea how I was going to come up with the rest of the money I needed to finish something out in court, family court. And um, she probably has saved me a hundred, over a hundred thousand dollars, you know, mm-hmm. or more. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. a for session. So even though I try to like discount it or gift her back, you know, it's so being able to receive in other ways too, I think that abundance is important so that mm-hmm. you can feel. Yeah. Feel it yeah. 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 I think that's really important to mention too. Yeah. In order to receive emotionally, mm-hmm. financially, that is a muscle that you have to be able to flex because I do think like if the more money I've made, it's been difficult and like almost painful in some aspects to mm-hmm. grow quickly, but I'm aware of it. Right. And so like I can work on it and also notice where I block myself from receiving or, you know, and it looks like little things that are just like culturally okay to do where like someone says that you've helped them and then you're like, oh, but it was just really you, you know, like kind of deflecting right. compliments or whatever. So I think that's good for people to know, like when your patients come in and they tell you like you've really mattered to them or what you've done has really helped, like really taking a moment to like feel 
the discomfort mm-hmm. that that brings you and also the joy at the same time. Not right. one emotion in that is better or worse than the other. It's like, it's just, and like we get to feel good about it and weird and it's okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's uh, taking those compliments in. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I have had the best time working with you and following your journey and I'm here for everything you're doing. Can you tell the listeners like where they can kind of explore these other options? Like where can they find you for MFR and then where can they find you for your coaching? Sure. So, well, my Facebook is just my name. My Tani Colucci is my personal page. I use a lot for business. I do have a business page, Tani Colucci, my official release. My website is taniacoluchimfr.com. Okay. My... Instagram handle is T Colucci, C-O-L-U-C-C-I, myofascial healer uh, on Instagram. And then my new coaching business is enlightuscoaching.com. So enlight and then uscoaching.com. Very cool. So you can check that landing page out for the Enneagram, you know, coaching and yeah. Awesome. So good. Okay, everybody go and like and follow Tanya so that you get all of her goods. You can see all of what she's doing. And if you're in the Bluffton, South Carolina area near Hilton Head, you can come see me, come see her, probably book in advance. (laughs) Yes, at least. Yeah. (laughs) Book in advance. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the program. It's going to be a really fun. Yeah. Welcome anytime. We'll have to update you maybe annually and we'll see, we'll follow your journey and see where you're going. Sounds good. Okay. Awesome. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week on another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. My goal is to help all MFR therapists stop under earning and burning out. I have several resources available for you. Read my book, The MFR Coaches Guide to Having Your Own MFR Business, available on Amazon and at Advanced John Barnes MFR Seminars. Keep listening to the podcast. I'll always have fresh content each and every week. Join my group coaching program. Enrollment opens four times per year. We take all the information I teach and lay down the foundation for your six-figure MFR business. It's more than just raising rates, but you'll make that the hardest part. Then expand into the business owner who delivers your rate like it's just the news and who can sell MFR to anyone in any situation. I'll show you how. Get on my email list. Follow me on social media at the MFR coach and visit my website for more information on group enrollment, the MFR Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week.